Good afternoon, everybody. So I had, during the course of the week, worked on a homily, looking at today's gospel, but upon waking up this morning and reading about the mass shooting in El Paso, and then the one last night in Ohio, figured that this topic, which seems to be so often in the news, particularly now, is just too serious to ignore or to not mention or to talk about it. I'm sure it is heavy on the minds and hearts of a lot of people. I'll say right off the bat, I am not here in any way, shape, or form to advocate any one side or any possible political solutions. There are sound arguments on both sides, and I'm sure you can turn on social media tomorrow, and everyone will be giving their opinion. It's a very, very complex issue. I can't claim to know all of the details, but it is something that I think we will all agree needs to be addressed in a very direct and courageous manner. On the other hand, I don't want to get up here and just say, well, let's just pray for peace and pray for the victims. It's important, I am sure, but it sort of skirts the fact that there's obviously something wrong. Something is not right. Something is not working. And that as Christians and as humans and as Americans, we need to be thinking about and working towards a solution. I think so often we feel helpless, regardless of what our opinion is or what we think needs to be done, there's not much that we can do. And so as I was thinking and preparing for this homily today, I, I thought of getting to and talking about some of the deeper root causes. Granted, you can read all kinds of studies and to see there are a number of contributing factors to mass shooting and to murders in our nation in general. And there are a lot of them. And I can't say that I can talk about all of them, but there's one that I do want to address. And it's one that I became aware of a couple of years ago, my reading and encountering the work of a psychologist, a doctor from the Northeast. And this man, Dr. James Gilligan, is the leading expert in the United States and quite possibly in the world on the topic of violence. Violence. He spent the past 25 years, besides working in Harvard, also working with inmates in prison, the prison systems in the Northeast, particularly the violent criminals, the murderers, and studying them and talking to them, trying to understand what the root of their violent behavior is. Because although indeed this mass shooting is something horrific, it is another expression of violence in our nation. I believe that 1% of all violent homicides are as a result of mass shootings, but 90% or direct one-on-one -on -one single person killings. We have a violent nation with half people, particularly males here, who have access to weapons, which makes it much easier for them to be able to extract their violence on others and to cause tremendous amounts of damage. 
But he said from all of his years in working with violent criminals, he's seen there tends to be one consistent thread. One consistent thread that he would say is to blame for the root of their violent behavior. And his argument is, and I think he does a good job of backing it up, is shame. These men, mostly, feel tremendous amounts of shame. They feel humiliated, disrespected, powerless. And this had come as a result of numerous things, family of origin issues, abuse, teasing, being picked on, whatever it is. These young men feel tremendous amount of shame they feel that they have not been looked at, cared for, respected, and violence is a way for them to overcome the pain of that shame. Many of them feeling numb, can't feel anything, and so taking out violence on others, even if it means going to prison, even if it means facing death themselves, are willing to do it in order to gain respect. That is a word that comes up over and over and over again in the studies of Dr. Gilligan. This desire for respect in order to overcome shame. And so I believe that if this, this, this research is true, and for what I've understood and read about different perpetrators of such violence, uh, this thesis applies to them is that so often these individuals, like sometimes cultures and whole societies, feel humiliated, they feel powerless, they feel filled with shame, and so violence is the recourse they have to overcoming this. And so we have, I don't think a lot of people would disagree with this, a culture in, I believe, North, South, and Central America where we have a lot of men, particularly young men, who feel lots of shame. They feel disrespected, alienated, powerless, unloved, humiliated. And as a result of this overall cultural problem, will often turn to violence. Again, you can read the research of Dr. Gilligan and his book, Violence, and you can see all kinds of stuff online. But it's this word, respect, that struck me. That this, I was disrespected, so I lashed out. I wanted to gain respect. I wanted to make sure that I could have that respect. I went and sort of did my little research into the word respect, and the Latin etymology. It comes from two words, re, which means to do again, and specere, which means to be seen or to look at. So an individual who gains respect is one who is seen again, the one who's looked at a second time, the one who is paid attention to. And I think looking at this etymology teaches us something very, very important. That so many people, particularly young men in our culture, have a desire to be seen, have a desire to be recognized, have a desire to be cherished and loved. In fact, we all have that desire. It's something that is written into our human nature, that we want to be seen for who we are, 
and our dignity and our individuality. And when others see us, when they give us respect, not just as one person in the crowd, but as an individual, particularly created in the image and likeness of God, where we're received, then that reflects the gaze of our Heavenly Father, who uses our eyes to see others, who uses our eyes to show that loving gaze which clothes the other person in dignity. We live in a culture where people are not seen and not respected, but so often we are the ones not seeing others, not respecting others, not looking at others. Myself, I'm included in that. And there's so many different reasons why but I do think the gospel shows us a clear root of the problem of why we struggle to see and respect other people, particularly the ones that are on the periphery, the ones that feel alienated, the ones who really need to be seen and loved. It's the man of the gospel. Yes, Jesus says that this parable is about greed. But if you look at the words the man speaks, spoken about him, there are a lot of first-person singular references. He refers to himself as, I want to provide for myself. I need this. The real root issue is not so much greed, but that this man is too focused on himself, on his own well-being, on his own desires, on his own safety, on his own future. This man is a narcissist in the literal sense of the word. Narcissism from that Greek figure in mythology, Narcissus, who sees himself, his own reflection, and is drawn towards it. He's not seeing others. The gaze is turned in on himself. And we can be so caught up in ourselves, in our school, in our work, in our own emotional turmoil, in our family lives, things that are not necessarily bad, but we focus so much on ourselves and this navel-gazing that we don't recognize others who are so desiring to be seen, so desiring to be recognized. And of course, the irony is, too, that when we do this internal looking at ourselves, we become isolated. This man in the Gospel parable is isolated alienated from others, cut off from others. He's working towards a position where he too will need to be seen. And the shame could set in. And so I want to wrap this up by once again saying we need laws. We need political discussion and debate. I'm not here to offer that, particularly at this point. But the truth is, you can change all the laws you want. It's not going to change the culture. And what really needs to change in the culture, our culture of death, our culture of violence, is that we need to become a person where everyone, particularly the marginalized, the ones on the periphery, the lonely, are seen and recognized. 
that we're paying attention, that we're not just caught up with our own needs and our own wealth and our own worries, but we are looking towards others. And so this becomes, I believe, a way to at least overcome some of that sense of helplessness. Well, indeed, the political and cultural wheels change. It is well within our powers to open our eyes, to see, and to grant others the respect that they deserve, the respect that they need as individuals created in the image and likeness of God. Amen.